Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. Hey, well, good evening. Uh, I think this is our last week uh, talking about Zacchaeus and this passage in Luke um, and kind of this whole idea that, that, that Jesus uh, knows you, he loves you, he, he, he might not always agree with you, which is great, um, but he's for you and he's for his people and he's for the church. Um, but just because he's for you uh, doesn't mean that he thinks like you or feels like you or, or sees like you or anything like that, right? And so he's kind of our uh, compass, our, our, our moral compass in this world. And so uh, it takes us to Romans this week. And Romans 8 is a very hard chapter. Um, I remember Cooper talked on the contradictions of Romans. And to this day, I've listened to that podcast like eight times because Cooper is much smarter about this area than I am in the book of Romans. I'm pretty sure it's your favorite book, right? Where you at? Yes, Romans. And so he knows all these intricacies, and they were like, hey, yeah, let's talk about Romans tonight. And I was like, great, this is a super hard book. Um, However, throughout the the difficulties and even some of the seeming contradictions in this book, there's this beautiful piece in Romans 8 that really starts for me in uh, verse 26. But these last two verses um, solidifying for me not only who he is for me, but who I am to him. And he says that because he loves me, And because he knows me and because he's for me, there's nothing that I can do or nothing that you can do to separate me from his love, to separate me from from who he has called me to be. And now what that doesn't mean is that now just because you are aware of him and his love for you, that does not mean that you're going to always have an affinity for him. You're always going to be in love with him and and there's going to be these dry seasons and people may walk away. But just because you walk away doesn't mean that he does. And just because you stop loving doesn't mean that he does. And there's this constant, this, um, as a matter of fact, if you've ever seen me, uh, like, wear a short sleeve shirt, my wife has it as well. For our fifth year anniversary, we got tattoos. Uh, so right here on both of our arms, it says uh, chesed, which is the Hebrew word for, like, an enduring love, like a choosing love. And that's how the Lord loves Israel. And so thus the Lord loves me this way. He chooses me, even when I don't choose him. And he pursues me when I don't pursue him. However... It's a little bit more than that, right? So earlier this week, how many of you guys have met my daughter, Lily? She's uh, five, five and a half, if you ask her. She's very specific. Five and a half. Um, we're still not going to throw her a half birthday, but she's five and a half. And um, the other day, uh, actually just on Saturday, I don't know what you guys do on your Saturday, but we do pretty much like a town day with the family, and we go do things. And the end of Saturday, things were kind of winding down, and we needed to get something for our dog. So we went to Burlington Coat Factory. Uh, probably one of my favorite stores. You can ball out on a budget in Burlington, and you can get Nike, or I found Lulu in there. Like, no joke. It's it's crazy. So uh, now I'm going to see all you guys at Burlington looking for all the Lulu and the Adidas. So uh, we went to uh, Burlington Coat Factory at 21st and Yale, so like by our neighborhood. And um, we get home from Burlington. We've gotten our things sorted. We, we got what we needed to get and everything like that. And I can't remember if it was a few hours or a few, you know, I don't know, maybe it was the next morning. Uh, Lily had some chapstick on her lips or something like that, chapstick or lip gloss or something. And um, Jordan, my wife, says, hey, where did you get this chapstick? Because we like to think that we keep some kind of inventory on her and the things that she has. And we, this chapstick that she was holding was, was unbeknownst to us. 
And um, she said, well, Dad bought it for me. And my wife was very, no, he, he, he would not buy you glittery chapstick. Like, that's not what he would do. So then she came up with another story. And she was like, well, a friend gave it to me at school or something like that. And then she's like, well, I bought it. Turns out that my daughter's a thief, and she stole it from Burlington Coat Factory. We, my wife and I have had the best week of our lives with this story. We have said that the police have called us, that jail is a terrible place. You guys might think we're terrible parents, but I really don't want my, my daughter to steal. Uh, not only because it reflects poorly on us, but I don't want her to steal. It reflects poorly on her. She's not a thief. We're not thieves. Um, so after we've kind of, uh, I think, drawn this out longer than we probably should have, um, it gets to this point where uh, she, she's afraid she's going to go to jail. And, and it was really sad. Like, it turned from funny to sad real quick. Um, and she was like, do they let me come home on the holidays? Do we come home for our birthday? Are you going to replace me with another kid? And me being, like, the super encouragement, I was like, absolutely, we're getting, like, we're getting a new kid. Like, we're going to, no. Uh, and that, that broke her, and it broke us, and we shouldn't have gone that far, but here we are, and we learn. Um, and so... So if you ask my daughter about the chapstick, she'll probably just, like, hunker down. It was a very traumatic experience for her. Uh, However, um, at no point in those conversations did she ask, do you still love me? At no point, and she probably could have, when I was like, yeah, we're going to get a new kid, one that doesn't steal. That was a horrible thing to say, and I apologize. Um, And really, my wife was leading this, so if you're mad at anybody, you're only mad at her through me. Um, Because I wouldn't have known if she didn't tell me. Um, But at no point did the question cross her mind, Dad, do you still love me? Mom, do you still love me? You know, at no point was that a thought in her head because we do love her. That's why we're trying in a really messed up way this time to to correct her. We're trying to tell her, like, hey, we love you so much that we don't want this to become a habit. Now, a one-off thing doesn't become a habit. I wasn't even so mad at the stealing. I was mad at the lies that she, mad slash impressed, at the lies that, the, that a five-year-old could tell. Like, I bought it. Jordan was like, with what money? With my money. Girl, you don't have any money. So, like, even when she was caught, she, like, kept coming up with other things. But at no point was she like, well, Dad, do you still love me? At no point was it conveyed to us through her that, well, maybe my parents don't love me anymore. And, and, and I like to think that that's how secure we are in our relationship with Jesus, but I know that's not true. No, that's not true because I've asked those questions. Do you still love me? Are you proud of me? I did this. I said this. I, I felt this. And at no point is his answer going to be no. At no point is his answer going to be, oh, I'm going to replace you with another one. Although I do think that's a fantastic answer for the messed up way that humans are, right? Because if you think about it, instead of sending Jesus to the cross, he could have just made new ones for cheaper. He could have just made new people. He could have just brought up a new generation. He could have brought up a new creature. But he said, no, I'm choosing you. I chesed you. I'm enduring with you. As long as you last, I will last longer. As long as you love, I will love you better. And at no point did Lily ask, Dad, do you still love me? Romans 8, 38 and 39 would say this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Now let's stop there. That's a really extensive list. Can, you, can we put that verse up on the, on the screen? Um, I think it's a different version. However, for I am convinced that neither death nor life. Two uh, pretty serious things. Death is permanent. Life 
is um, the transition from nothing into death, right? So that's a pretty, uh, everybody lives and everybody dies. Haven't met a brother or sister yet that isn't going to die. Haven't met a brother or sister yet that ain't living. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, okay, nor angels nor demons. Well, that's weird because I don't live in that realm. That realm doesn't concern me, but it does because he has angels that are praying for me. And interceding for me and fighting for me. And then there's this other side, the demons, that whatever they're trying to do, they can't get to me. They're not welcome where he is. Nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future. Okay, that's a big deal. Because it's not only what I am not doing, it's what I, or, or what I am doing, it's also the things that I will do can't separate. The things that I won't do can't separate. When I don't love like Jesus loves. When I do things that I shouldn't do tomorrow, that's not going to separate us, okay? Nor any powers, no government. Um, have you guys ever read 1984 by George, Elware, or George Orwell? So in this book, it's a fantastic book, and if you read it, um, uh, if Rachel Nightingale was here, she'd be like, I read this book. Um, if, if you read it, the, the whole kind of premise, it's kind of scary because it feels like where we're in now. It's almost like a prophecy. And it was, the guy was like, hey, this is what it's going to be like in the 80s. And it's like, well, this is what it's like now. Uh, it was pretty accurate, actually. Um, but there's this guy, the main character of the book, and his whole uh, premise is like, I'm going to keep a journal because they can't lock up my mind. They can't cease me from thinking. So n no powers, no governmental overthrow, no authorities are going to be able to, uh, to change this. But then, verse 39 I don't know how it says it in this one. What's the, what's the next one? Mine says, nor height nor depth. Neither height nor depth. You can't go too far. You can't be too close, nor anything else in all creation. So that sums everything else up. Whatever you think you can do, however far you think you can go, he's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing, nothing that's ever been thought of will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I know that Cooper would love for me to unpack that last part, be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But we're not going to go there tonight. Because the point is that you won't understand the last part if you can't get your head around verse 38 and 39. That there is nothing that you have done, are doing, or will do that will separate you from the love of God. It might separate you from the plans that God has for you. It might separate you from the will of God. But will not separate you from his love. Now, we have defaults. Lily's default was to lie. Don't know where she got it from. She's human. I, I hope I didn't teach her how to lie. I'm not a very good liar. But she, that was her default. I'm going to lie. Some of you, your default is to hide if you've been caught doing something. Some of you, your default, these are my favorite people, to uh, just fully embrace it, whether right or wrong, just go for it. Like, yep, that was me. I stole the chapstick. You're going to great. Going to jail. Like, you embrace it. But we all have these defaults. All of us have some kind of way that we respond, we react. Now, for the most part, you don't have much control in that at your age. We're, we're still maturing. So you have a default. This is not your excuse. This is your chance to be aware of it. I do this when I'm confronted with my poor choices. I do whatever it is. Adam and Eve, similar default. Well, it was not me. It was the woman. And the woman was like, no, 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 you were there too. Right? Like, there, there, there's these weird tensions that we have because we have defaults. Now, the, there's a deeper level to this. No one knows you like you do. Now, I, I like to think um, that back in, like, the 60s and 70s, um, you could go to, like, let's just use Buenos Aires in, in South America. You could go there on a business trip every week. If I was a businessman and I had a family at home, I could go there every week. 
And I would know what I would do if I was being unfaithful or faithful, but my family wouldn't. And so it was on me, because there's just a lack of information, lack of accessibility to whatever. Um, it was on me to be, to be trustworthy. And so no one knows the things that you've done like you do. There are things that you've done or thought or felt or whatever that only you know. And I do want to encourage you separately that if there are things like that in your life, confess them to your small group leader or to your friend. Bring it out. Embrace it, right? Like, no, it's not going to separate you from the love of Jesus. I promise you it's not going to separate you from the love of us, right? Bring it to the forefront. But, however, there's this no one knows you like you do, but also um, today all of your stuff is out in the open for the most part. At least all the stuff that you want us to think about you. At least the way you want to be seen. Now, if I go to Buenos Aires every week on business, probably going to post some pictures. Probably going to tag a location. My wife will know everywhere that I am. I don't have to text her or tell her. Everybody's watching me. Everybody's looking. Everybody's listening. So no one knows you like you do. But everybody can see the things that you're doing. Everybody can, can kind of get a mood about you. The Christian aspect of, the, of this is really here that we have conviction. No one knows me like I do. No one can feel the things that I feel. You might be aware of it, but it's, it's still mine. And I have a conviction in my heart because I'm called to be like Jesus to make it right. To, to do my best to correct, to accept punishment. To, to kind of, I don't know, be, like, we're not obviously not going to send Lily to, to five-year-old jail. But, I don't know, we're not going to make her write sentences or whatever. But there's this conviction aspect of the Christian that really lays heavy on us. Now, we love to tell others that God loves them despite this. That even though you've done some crazy things or some weird things or some bad things or mean things or whatever, that Jesus loves you regardless. But do you believe, do you believe that about yourself? That Jesus loves you regardless. He's not giving you permission to continue whatever it is that, that you're doing that would be contrary to what he'd have for you. But he is giving you permission to know that you are okay and now let's get better. That where you are isn't where you have to be. That you're not stuck in this place forever. You're not stuck in this mode forever. You're not stuck in this mood forever. Rather, he is calling you into something more. Do you believe that God loves you regardless. Because our Bible says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor anything can separate us from the love of God. Now, I still struggle uh, with that. So if you go to the Old Testament, I think I have this scripture up as well. There's this um, interesting part in the book of Joel, uh, chapter 2, and I think it's verse 12. Is that what's up there? Yep. So uh, this is NIV. I have ESV. I'm going to read it in the ESV because it's much more passionate. But this is essentially uh, what it says. This is Joel 2.12 going through some crazy things. Joel's prophesying in a super hard time. And this is what the Lord is saying to his people through Joel. ESV says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Now, what I know about Lily, when we, when we started to drill into the issue, she was already doing two of these things. She was already weeping, and she was already mourning. All we had to do was not give her supper, and we would have hit the trifecta. 
But Joel, the Lord through Joel is saying, yet even now, you can think the way you think and feel the way you feel and be bigoted or you can be way too this or way too that. And yet even now, the call of the Lord is still the same. Return to me. Know that I love you. Rest in my goodness, not your fake goodness. Rest in my love, not your faux perception that you think love is or that you're putting out there for other people. Yet, even now, now this is encouraging to me because I don't always think the right things. I don't always do the right things. But yet, even now, I can feel the way that I feel, right or wrong, inaccurate or accurate. And the Lord is saying, yet even now, return to me. Jesus loves you as you are, not how you will be. Heard a pastor one time say, that there's not like a future version of you that Jesus is more in love with. And I love this because as much more discipline as I will put in my life, as much more of the Bible that I will continue to read and as much more education that I will continue to get, Jesus is still going to be just as in love with me today as he is 10 years from now. The only difference would be this, that my affection would grow for him as he continues to get bigger and better. Because I'm, I'm surrounding myself with God things, not just good things. I'm surrounding myself with, with the things that God has called into my life. I'm accepting these things. I'm embracing these things. And I'm turning away from my own issues and my own bent and my own desires and my own will. Jesus came for this. He came that you would know love, that you would know affection properly, that, that you would know where to put your trust and put your hope. We're almost done. So there's two more verses that I want to read out of Joel. They're not up on the screen. So it says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. But it doesn't stop there. And he says, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't just give me the things that you want people to see. Give me your things. I want all of your realness. I want all of the issues that people don't know. But remember, no one knows you like you do except Jesus. I don't want your perception. I want you. I don't want what you're putting out on the line. I want you. I just said on the line. That's pretty fantastic. Online, on the line, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, whatever. I don't want your, I don't want what you think you want to be viewed as. I want all of you. It says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Joel not only says, return now, he says, this is why. Because he hasn't stopped loving you. He hasn't stopped pursuing you. Here's verse 14. It's our last verse. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, and I love this part, and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Who knows that if you would just confess, not, 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 I mean, sure to us, but to him. If you would just be honest with him, who knows what he might leave behind? If you just touch his garment, you're healed. You don't have to have a full-on conversation with Jesus to be changed by Jesus. If you would just be in proximity to him, if you would just turn and look in the right direction, if we would just fix our eyes, therefore fixing our faith, we would be much better. We would be much more rich, much more fulfilled, much more full. Who knows whether, whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Here's how we can, I have three steps for us. This is how I think this would look like in your day today. Uh, number one, preach the gospel to yourself. In order to do that, you got to know it. You got to know what the book says, but also know what it says about you and about him. 
So many times we're, we're, we're hearing verses all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11, I love that verse, and it's great. But you, nobody who cites that verse ever knows anything about Lamentations, a book that Jeremiah also wrote. Like, preach the gospel to yourself, that I might feel like this, but Jesus came for me. That I might be doing this, but I can still step away because the power of Christ is in me. Because I have a yes to him and an amen to everything that he has for me. Like, I'm, I'm empowered a little bit by the gospel of Christ. Number two, rest in the truth that you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. For all the moms out there, you're doing better than you think you are. All the husbands, we're trying. We're doing our best. Catching up. You're doing better than you think you are. Just the fact that you're here on a Wednesday when you could be anywhere else. You're doing better than you think. Just because you're listening online, you're doing better than you think you are. Remind yourself that Jesus is probably saying the same thing to you. Just one more. You're doing better than you think you are. Calm down a little bit. It's not all about you. There's bigger things at play. You are doing okay. And, and here's number three. No, uh, this is actually one of my favorite things. My dad told me this one time, and I'm sure you heard it from someone else, but this is one of my favorite things. Uh, my dad said it like this, and then I'll, t- I'll tell you what I wrote, and then I'll tell you what my dad said. Uh, know that Jesus factored your deficiencies into your calling. My dad said it like this. Josh, Jesus knew that you were stupid when he called you to do what he called you to do. He's already factored in all your stupidity, all your issues. Jesus is very, very aware of all of your deficiencies and all of your inabilities and all of your lacks, and he factored it into your calling. He factored it in to your Bible reading. He factored it in to your evangelistic opportunities at school or at home. He's already factored in all of your issues to everything that he came to set right. He's already factored in all your stuff for his glory and for the good of his people. But you have to go back to this. Do you believe that? Or is that message just for someone else? Is that message for this person but not for me? One of the worst things that we can do is read the Bible and think that it's for everyone else. We'll become judgmental. We'll become bitter. We'll become hopeless. Jesus is not only ready to love you. He has been loving you and will love you. He's not just standing there like, all right, well, as soon as she acknowledges me or as soon as he acknowledges me, like, I'm here. No, 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 no. It's chesed. It's the choosing, the enduring, that even though I am being stupid, he's like, hey, that's, that's still in my family. Love him. Still welcome at the table. He eats all the cane sauce, but, like, we still keep inviting him. I have, like, three things of cane sauce. I love it. <laughs> D- despite... The things that he might feel like he's taking away, I'm fulfilling all of those things in what I'm giving to him. He already factored my stupidity into my calling. And some of you have been blessed by me. It's crazy to think. Some, there are people around you that have been blessed by you. There have been people around you that are perfectly positioned to be blessed by you once you start believing that this message is also for you. That Jesus came for you. You matter to Jesus because he loves you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we um, are grateful for your word. I pray that we would not only um, seek deeper understanding, but we would seek more time in your word. God, uh, I heard this week that, that quality time comes from quantity time, and I pray that we would soak up everything that you have for us from your word. 
I pray that we would believe it not only for others, but also for ourselves in hope that you are calling us from where we are to where you have us to be. Jesus, we're grateful for, for a life of purpose. We're grateful for a life on mission for you, God. I pray that we would love well and that we would know that you first love us. Therefore, we can love others. And everybody said, amen.